Damo, you big sweet tooth. Yes, MP, you chocoholic. So naughty but nice, we're a hit at the Wellness Summit and I want more. Well, how does 20 recipes in their free ebook Heavenly Healthy Desserts sound, MP? Jeepers, Damo, I'm loving that. Or you can hop on down to their brand new cafe, Selection Cafe in South Melbourne and receive 10% off your favourite healthy desserts. Woohoo! To do so, go to sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch and fill in your details to receive your free ebook and discount voucher. That's www.sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch. So naughty but nice, delicious nutrition. Thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives the real food real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health we get real on current research debunk food myths and educate you on how to just eat real food your host steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist is one of australia's leading sports nutritionists passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes smoothies and sweet potato if you love the show then please leave us a review on itunes Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome to the real food real. Today on the show I have Alex Stewart who we interviewed back in episode 22 and many of you joined her fantastic Your Low Tox Life program. Today on the show Alex and I are discussing all things ethical animal products. Hi Alex and thanks for joining me on the real today. Hey, how are you, Steph? Really well, thank you. It's great to have you here. It's great to be back. <laughs> so we won't start with your story because that is in episode 22. So I will direct our listeners back to that episode if they haven't yet tuned in. Yes. But I actually wanted to ask a question that we don't know about you. And that is, um, who were or who are your big influences in the health space? Right, well, great question to start with. Um, <laughs> there are so many. I find I get inspiration from all sorts of places um, and a lot of people assume um, that an omnivore uh, isn't going to have any inspiration that might have a preference towards uh, veganism, for example, and I just think that's so closed-minded and not the case at all. You can just always learn something, a new way of thinking from so many people and if I had to name um, probably my top dude it'd be Michael Pollan um, because I think through his books he doesn't preach uh, he invites curiosity and invites us to think about the world we live in and how we eat and how we are connected to um, our values through what we eat and I think that's just one of the biggest nuggets you can you could possibly um, learn on this on this crazy road to a very overcrowded opinionated space you know what I mean <laughs> yeah um, I know what you're saying and the way he delivers the message is, is certainly um, something we can all learn from I feel yeah and I think um, both books uh, the, of his The Omnivore's Dilemma and Cooked just provide so much incredible um, food for thought pardon the pun that's mm. so daggy um, <laughs> uh, and yes I love Michael Pollan other influences um, oh gosh, so many. Uh, <laughs> can we come back to it? I'm going to tangent during our yeah, interview. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's a great one to start with. Mm. <laughs> cool. So we're obviously here to chat um, ethical animal products and, and certainly how to eat mish, uh, meat and fish right if you're an omnivore. I just made up a new word, mish. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a food group that everyone else has heard of? No. <laughs> so yeah, let's start with your thoughts on that. Thanks, Alex. Okay, so 
If you're going to eat meat and fish, um, there are a number of questions that then arise. Um, this is obviously not for people who choose not to eat either because it will um, it, it just won't um, be applicable to you guys and that's cool. But um, for the people who do choose to, I think it's a responsibility for all of us to really know how um, animals are reared, what they're fed, because what we eat eats is every bit as important in the picture. Mm. Um, and when it comes to fishing, uh, it's the same rules apply. We often think, oh, but it's in the sea. It's, you know, it's so natural. Um, the seas aren't what they used to be. And we farm fish in places they aren't naturally meant to thrive. So there's a whole bunch of questions around there as well. And then there's, of course, the fisheries argument. Um, everyone's terrified of fisheries and trawlers, but if done well and if done by the right teams, there can also be some um, exceptions to the rule there. So there's, there's so much. It's a huge minefield um, and it's something that confuses a lot of people. But it, I'd encourage everybody out there to realise this is probably going to be a good year's worth of journey while you find your purveyors that you can trust, while you find brands you can trust, while you find ethical people, people who don't use GM and all the stuff we're probably going to go on and talk about. Yeah, absolutely. It is about um, learning about who you support and, and certainly doing your own personal research as you, as you evolve your real food journey. That's exactly right. Yeah. So let's talk about farming practices to start with. Um, yeah. And so give us some concepts to work with when we're looking to support a fa uh, farm and certainly um, how we can identify ethical practices. Okay, so it's very hard to identify ethical practices when we don't know the exact provenance of the food. Um, same goes with fruit and veg, right? You know, you want to know that it's a farm that's not spraying the produce if possible or even um, using organic biodynamic methods. Same deal with meat and fish. So um, one of the first things uh, I did when I started to realise there are very different ways um, that um, meat gets to our table um, and started to feel really uncomfortable with, with that uh, for a brief time I, I went vegetarian and, and that just didn't suit my health at all um, and fell into a bit of a heap. Um, so I knew I, I had to eat meat for my own health and that's not for everybody. Everybody, I mean, there's so many different paths to health based on genetics, um, background, uh, metabolism, all sorts of things. But if you are going to eat meat, then this question started to arise, well, how on earth am I going to find out um, a good butcher and it was literally about just starting to Google. Google is a great tool. You can see um, straight away if you just type in ethical butcher or um, organic meat or organic deliveries, you start to find suppliers that pop up um, in your area, of course, because Google's so clever at giving you information that you actually um want based on your location and I came across someone who ended up being just around the corner who just opened up this was years ago so this was uh, a little small business uh, husband and wife duo a couple of young kids and they just had a dream to provide really transparent um, meat options for families in the area and that's grub up in Vaucluse um, and 
I got chatting to Dom and, you know, he'd been and visited all of the farms um, of any of the meat that they had in their little display cabinet and he could tell me exactly what every animal ate in its lifetime, what every chicken was fed to produce the eggs. I mean, the the detail just gave me this amazing swell of happiness and confidence that this was absolutely the right way to shop. Um, because if you shop um, in most supermarkets, you're getting it to be a bit more transparency now, but um, let's say uh, even um, in most part, you don't get the name of the farm and you certainly can't then pick up the phone and call the person who's made your sausages, you know what I mean? So you can't yeah. even know what those animals were fed or how, were they, how they were looked after. And I'll be damned if I'm ever going to eat um, meat um, from cruelty farming. It's just something I wouldn't do and it's why I eat vegetarian if I'm out and I'm not sure um, because, you know, once you've tuned into ethics, it's, it's something to stand by, you know, it's a really lovely thing to stand by. So that would be my first step to get Googling and find someone local to you. My second step is to just ask a few preliminary questions when you start to find local um, butchers and, and treat it like an audition. Mm-hmm. So ask questions like, um, do you use any preservatives in your um, butchery? So that will bring up questions around how the bacon's produced, whether they make it off-site or in-house. Um, do they, um, if they use preservatives, what type of preservatives? Because there are some naturally derived celery preservatives that you can use for bacon curing um, and for sausage uh, making that are um, that are really great for us and absolutely fine. But then there's a whole bunch of really nasty preservatives, especially sulfites. So, you know, like sausages are a kid's favourite, right? And um, sausages are probably um, the most packed with preservatives out of all of the meats and so you know that's really one of the ones that you you definitely want to find and audition those butchers and make sure you're getting something that's um, preservative free and made daily or every second day to ensure that um, it's also not going off because of course preservative is used in these meats to extend shelf life um yeah. I think that's an important point, though, is we, we can apply this to people that are still buying their products in a packet, maybe at um, you know at a shop, at a supermarket. So starting to read the labels and, and, and looking for these words and, and, and learning what they are when there's, when there's numbers that you don't know um, exactly. about. Yeah. 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 And so then also you have to think about the type of animal and what they normally eat. So sometimes the word organic isn't going to be enough. And by that I mean, um, let's say for um, uh, beef, um, uh, the word organic isn't enough for me. I want to know that those um, animals are allowed to graze on pasture rather than being confined in any way, shape or form during their lifetime um, because you can feed them organic grains mm. and they can be cooped up in a little kind of um, pen and I just think that's so, that totally misses the point, you know. So then the word free range for pork, for example, a lot of people get excited thinking, oh, that's happy pigs running around in the countryside. But if they're being fed grains, which most pigs are, then are those grains um, Um, organic grains or are they from wherever and if they're from wherever and it's a mix of soy corn and a few other bits and pieces you can pretty much bet that that soy and corn is going to be gmo derived genetically modified um, for those who don't know what that means Um, which means um, 
It's a very unnatural type of food. And uh, those genetically modified seeds are modified to withstand more pesticide without the crop dying. So I'm really not cool with eating um, uh, meat that has been fed um, grains that have been highly sprayed. So free range for pork and chicken isn't enough for me. I want organic on pork and chicken um, to know that the feed of the animals is um, something that I'm aligned with and agree with. And then for beef and lamb, I want to make sure they've been pasture-raised. So, you know, you can say organic is great, but then, like I was saying before, sometimes for a couple of types of the meats, you want to know more that way. And then for a couple of types of the meats, you definitely want to make sure they're free-range but also organic because um, of that GM um, factor in animal feed. Yeah, I think you make some important points because there's a lot of marketing loopholes as well that, that we see and I think the organic is certainly a buzzword and so the point you made there about that not being enough is, is mm. super important because, of course, there's going to be labels that then suddenly abuse that word. And oh, totally. There always will be. And free range is another one. <clears throat> Pardon me. We know that, you know, in, in some um, regulations it might be that there's 1,500 hens per hectare and then there might be 50,000 hens per hectare and obviously the health of the animal is so different based on Absolutely. those conditions and, and how much room they have and obviously the quality of, of their environment. So, again, mm. free range is not enough if you don't know that you're supporting a farm that, that has that really nice um, hen per hectare legislation. Absolutely. And we can pop a couple of links that give some really great um, infographics on different names of, of farms and, and whether that and just how free range they are, just to help everybody out there listening today. Um, and uh, uh, what was I going to say about free range? Yeah. So again, um, you might not get to a butcher, but you might think, well, where's another great place to, to audition people, like I said before, and a farmer's market is a fantastic place to do that because you really meet the people who are growing and rearing your food and you can literally ask them any detail you want and they'll be able to tell you right then and there. And it's pretty easy to know whether someone's being cagey or not. I've, I find it very, very easy to, you can just kind of tell when they start to stutter on any questions. <laughs> well, we have this conversation quite a lot with our clients because we, we make the joke that if you ask a butcher, is this um, grass fed, they'll say yes, because they know that's what you want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's why researching the farm is that is that perfect step because you're not relying on a, a one-way conversation. You're actually finding out where the meat comes from and, and therefore the practices of the farm. That's absolutely right. And I'd encourage people to start sending a little email. Um, so just because you see something in a natural grocer store or something that seems like a whole food option um, in more more of a kind of health shop, um, you might see a free-range pork there on the shelf. You might see um, a few other things that make you think, well, that sounds really good. But I saw that recently and I thought, actually, I don't. It, no, nowhere on the packet does it say that they're fed organically or GM-free or anything. So I'm just going to shoot a little email, never heard back, shot another email across, never heard back, third email, still didn't hear back. And to me, that just says everything. It says they've still got something to hide. And so I, I really urge everybody, conspiracy theories aside, it's just really important that you feel comfortable. And if you're not getting answers, 
that are in line with your values and the kind of food you want to eat, then just move on to another brand who does disclose everything. Yeah, spot on. That's where it starts with the research as well. Mm. Um, I wanted to touch on grass-fed versus grain-fed, just for those that aren't aware of, of the difference in the health of the animal and certainly the downstream effect on the consumer. Could mm-hmm. you help us with that, Alec? Yeah, sure can. So grass-fed animals um, are obviously going to be healthier when it comes to cows because that's what they're meant to eat. That's what they eat in nature. They might eat a bit of hay in the wintertime, um, but really they're meant to eat fresh-growing grass. And a lot of um, we've had this discussion on my page with my community before where it's like, well, what are they supposed to eat in the winter if, they're, if, if the farm is here in some area where the grass maybe doesn't grow so, so well? And it brings to me the, the kind of question, big questions, like one of those hurt your brain questions, but it's like, well, are we really meant to be trying to raise cattle there? Like biologically, geographically, is, is that really the best food to be growing on that land if we can't rear the animal in the natural way it was meant to live? Um, so that's quite a big ethical and, um, and geographical question, but I think it's one that just helps us start to realise just how globalisation has affected us and that I want this every day, every time of the year, whenever I fancy it, you know, and to really start thinking more locally because when you look at um, the fats balance of grass-fed beef, um, we're all meant to have a certain ratio of omega-3s, 6s and 9s, um, just to name three of the main ones in our um, healthy fats mix. And grain-feeding animals will actually change the ratio of omega-3 and 6 fats in the animal. So then when we eat that animal, we're getting a higher amount of omega-6 than we're meant to um, because in nature, if the animal is reared naturally, um, pasture-raised and eating lots of good luscious grass, then the omega-3 is actually much higher. So omega-6 is um, something that if kept in check and in the right ratios is, is something that is, is fine in a balanced diet. But if, it, if that level creeps up um, and certainly creeps up unnaturally in foods that are meant to be um, composed slightly differently, then it can cause inflammation. Um, and it's not something that will happen overnight. It's certainly not something that's going to happen if you're on a conference or at a friend's barbecue and you're not sure whether it's grass-fed or not. I'm all for being one of those people who doesn't really um, get too narky in that 10% where you're out and about and you go with the flow. As I mentioned, I choose to be vegetarian if I can, but if it means being rude to a friend, (laughs) then Mm -hmm. I actually just have a small piece of whatever and just don't make any issue of anything. Um, but yeah, I just I just think it's something that we really do need to bring in in check in terms of what we eat most of the time and make sure that we move towards perhaps eating a bit less meat overall. I think a lot of us could quite possibly be caught up in eating too much and feeling like we need it three times a day. There's plenty of beautiful proteins through the plant world and animal foods world and eggs, nuts, seeds, etc. Um uh, quinoa legumes if legumes suit you um, to really create a lot more variety and we talk about a rainbow of veggies but there's got to be a rainbow of protein as well we can get it from all sorts of things 
Um, so if we're going to eat meat, therefore, to, to upgrade to a grass-fed, grass-finished style of beef from a butcher that can um, tell us exactly how the animals are raised or directly from a farmer at the farmer's markets who can share with us what they do. Um, and from there, we just know that we're getting better quality and a better ratio of all the different types of um, healthy fatty acids. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's always about I the balance. Lost it on quite a bit. <laughs> no, as soon as you said the word inflammation, I was happy. That's what we want to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the key thing, you know. We just like, especially with that whole low-fat craze, where everybody started to use polyunsaturated vegetable oils um, for everything, and and uh, you know, and look at inflammation today. It's everywhere, and it's it's time to reverse it. And reversing it is as simple as reversing this complicated processed food world we've landed ourselves in and going back to eating simple foods for the way for the most part um as i say you know the odd party or whatever you just go with the flow but mm. for the most part those simple foods and if you're eating animal foods simple um farming uh and from places that prosper with that style of farming and maybe in your area you're going to find that a different type of meat is um more abundant, uh, different type of success with um, raising chickens in your area. And so that might be the meat that you start to, to turn towards. And, of course, red meat's really important for iron, especially for little kitties. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's a really interesting journey. And, and if we just start to um, be more aware of the amount of, of omega-6 in our diets um, and ditch that vegetable oil, get it, on, get it the heck out of your pantry now if it's still in there. Um, and uh, and start eating grass-fed, grass-finished red meats when we do, then those are just two very simple ways we can ensure we've got the ratio right. Yeah, beautiful. Now, you used another term there, grass-finished. Yes. I actually wanted to touch on that because the grass-fed has its own marketing loophole. Mm -hmm. um, so share with us the difference there and obviously um, perhaps what sometimes happens um, closer to the um, – animal being used for meat okay so the animal being used for meat will often be fattened up in the last part of its life and up, up to 90 days you can still then say grass-fed on the label because the finishing feed isn't considered to be part of the labeling of grass-fed in this country right now so it's just really important again the only thing that we have to go by is not the label on a supermarket tray of beef with no extra information but to go straight to a, a butcher that sources um, traceable um, meat and also the farmer's market and then you can say is it grass-fed and finished and that just means um, you've got the animal eating grass way up until the end of its life now a lot of farmers like that fattening stage because it does create a slightly juicier um, steak and uh, for the culinary purposes um, I'm sure that for some people that is um, really important but just try it. I mean I didn't actually find any difference at all especially changing from really really lean cuts like rumps and fillets maybe to going to something like a scotch fillet um, and and slow-cooked ribs and, and um, shin and things like that, you don't notice it at all in slow cooking. So um, And it's cheaper. All of those cuts are so much cheaper. Yeah, well, that's excellent because we have moved away from the low-fat era, so we're, we're hopefully not needing the, the extra sort of, I guess, taste um, that some people believe 
grain feeding provides, certainly when we cook with the fats and, like you say, we eat um, nose to tail, we're getting lots of different cuts, obviously more affordable, but the quality um, and obviously the taste profile is there as well. Absolutely. And, you know, fill up on the veggies. If you're going upscaling to a slightly more expensive style of meat, what a great opportunity to say to yourself, this is, you know, an area that I always seem to have half the meat dish, half salad or half veggies or even less some people, you know, and men are notoriously bad at this. And to just kind of start to grow the volume of the the veggies on your plate a little bit while you slightly downsize the meat and just that percentage of 20% least meat means you can um, go up 20% in price no problems cost neutral and then you can just bring in some really fantastic extra veg um, to, to fill the gap. Yeah absolutely we always advise just the palm sized piece of of meat or fish or chicken yeah so exactly right. that you can have at least two cups of veggies with each meal. Mm. That sounds like a great idea. Very cool. So we've touched on a couple of terms there. So we spoke about preservative-free, pasture-raised, free-range, organic, and then grass-fed and finished. Mm -hmm. So is it possible to find things that are all of those? And how does that differ for, say, um, meat versus fish? Um, yes, you can find things that tick all the boxes. Uh, for anyone in New South Wales, my favourite eggs are Eganic, a wonderful local farmer called Jackie who um, has the lowest ratio of hens per acre. God, those are happy chickens. Eganic's a very cool name. Uh, yeah, Eganic. They're mm. awesome. Um, and then, again, you've got just some incredible farmers. If you go to Everly Markets or Marrickville Markets, um, there are some wonderful farmers with full transparency who who do um, sell you the free-range and organic chicken and pork as well as the grass-fed and finished and organic, if you like, um, because the farm might have been certified beef and lamb. And, um, and, yeah, it's, as I said at the start, it's just a bit of a journey. It's a bit of a research journey because you can't say it's for the it's the one thing to do for the whole world or even for the whole country. Um, for anyone maybe listening from WA, you're going to have a whole bunch of different farmers over there that we've never heard of before. So it really is just about arming yourself with the right um, questions and terms and just maybe listen back to the first half of the interview again to just take some notes and go, okay, so for chicken and pork, we want to make sure it's not just free range but organic as well. For beef and lamb, we want to make sure it's not just grass-fed but finished as well. And there you go. If you take that and then if you're buying cuts like bacon and sausages um, uh, and anything that's been processed like a chorizo or salami, then you've got those extra questions around preservatives. Yeah, beautiful. Nice nice summary there for everybody. (laughs) You did it for us. Very cool. So I wanted to chat to you about the LD controversy because last week in the news we saw um, their grass-fed labelling was, uh, I guess, being put under fire. They've um, been apparently feeding um, with supplementary grains in apparently bad weather conditions. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that and if we could use this as a bit of a, a case study as to you know, what we were discussing about marketing loopholes and so on? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a tricky one because we only have people's word to go by and I just urge everybody to think, like, what does your gut tell you? If your gut tells you they're lying and it's a little marketing spiel, then just keep researching and find someone better that you really feel 100% comfortable with. 
Um, once you're in touch with your values, as I said at the beginning when I was talking about Michael Pollan's work and really doing that work to think about what type of world you want to emulate and what type of businesses you want to support. Um, I, don't, I don't love secrets, but at the same time, I recognise that obviously to save a crop um, or to save a farm, sometimes farmers do have to do something um, that's a little different to what they'd normally do. So um, I, I don't want to comment and say it was true or it wasn't true because I can't know for sure. But um, but my view is, is if one of the farms that I supported said um, that there was some plague in the field and they just had to pop the chickens in a barn for a couple of months to just make sure that they could deal with that and then get the chickens back out there. And if it was Jackie who I buy my, my organic eggs from, I'd believe her because I've built that relationship. Um, it's very hard to build a relationship with a tray of meat you buy in a supermarket. Yeah. Um, so to me it comes down to any of that grey area Um you know, like I, that's that's exactly why I shop the way I shop from very small, very direct channels. Um, and you know, these days it's getting easier and easier too. People deliver, um, and farmers are finding better ways to distribute on independent organic websites and things. So it's um it's not quite so hard, and we don't have to rely on supermarkets and whether they're lying or not as much as we used to. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you're right. You can't really call someone at LD and ask them what they think about ethical meat and what farm they use. It's not the same no. thing you can do when you have a relationship with, um, like you say, a small business. Um, and we've got a lot of listeners in Victoria, and um, a farm people might like to look at is Braylands Beef and Lamb. Oh, yeah, I've heard of those guys. Yeah. yeah, and so what's really good is um, you can buy you can buy in bulk. You can certainly buy a whole animal. So. Um, you know, the cost conversation no longer exists because mm-hmm. we used to have the argument that that quality meat was so expensive so people felt like perhaps that Aldi was their only option, um, which is completely false. So we know that we can save money by eating nose to tail and as we've been discussing, finding someone local where you can buy in bulk if, um, you know, to obviously help the budget. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and that's really important that this message isn't about like elite kind of posh, snobby um, food buying. Um, I really believe that real food should be and can be available to everybody if we get a bit creative. And, um, and yeah, like instead of going from buying rumps and fillets and like perfectly French little lamb cutlets and things and then moving to organic pasture-raised, all that sort of equivalent, um, yeah, sure, that's going to be significantly more expensive. But if we learn to cook a bit more um, widely and get into our slow cooking, um, which a lot of people think is just a winter thing, but it's actually the most beautiful, gentle way to cook animal protein that exists. Um, and if we cook animal protein gently, we can assimilate it more gently as well. So it's less tough on our digestive system. And so with slow cooking, you could then um, save the liquid for the winter time maybe to make a soup in a few months down the track if winter's not right there for you or if it's coming to an end like it is for us um, or save it for one of those cold snaps and then you can just chunk the meat out warm over a really beautiful big plate of salad and pomegranates and feta and a few other things and um, you can kind of do slow cooked a fresh way if you know what I mean so you can really rely on those much much cheaper um, cuts of meat that you do have to cook for several hours to break it down um, and get it all nice and soft and falling apart. 
but um, but then you can sort of it's kind of like the the classic fashion tagline. You can dress it up, dress it down. You can dress it winter, dress it summer. You know, you could do you could do both with it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's certainly a really affordable way. Like I know Braylands, you can get it for down to like fifteen dollars a kilo, which is is so affordable and very different oh, to what you see in in the supermarket. <laughs> Yeah, and then one note on cost with chickens is so many people buy chicken breast and that's all they buy. And I'm just like, have you looked at the price of even free-range chicken breast, not even organic? It's so expensive and you literally save money by upscaling to an organic whole chicken per per kilo than you do on buying free-range chicken breast. And when you buy a whole organic chicken, you've got the two breasts and sure, it's going to look a bit ugly the first few times you try to break down a chicken carcass. YouTube video tutorials are really great for that um, to learn. Um, But then, you know, you've got your two chicken breasts, then you've got the whole rest of the chicken that you can just roast off and have the thighs and wings one night. And then you've got a carcass that you can make a couple of litres of stock out of, which you can then make a soup with veggies. So it's, um, it's a super economical way to trade up to organic when it comes to chook overnight and a lot of people don't realise. Just do the cost analysis um, the next time you're in a supermarket on a packet of breasts and what that is per kilo versus a whole organic chook. Yeah, lovely message, certainly, and then no waste using the whole carcass for broth. Mm. Yeah. Lovely. All right. Well, I hope our listeners have learnt a lot. We've got our key terms to to start to ask questions and, and certainly research um, what small business you're going to support in your local area. Mm-hmm. So that's been fantastic, Alex. Was there anything else you wanted to add there? I might just add a little bit on fish if yeah, I could. Yeah, of course. Um, so with fish, uh, tinned is a really great way to go, but you've got to worry about BPA. So my two favourite brands to avoid BPA are the Good Fish brand, and I can pop a link. It's um, it's a really awesome brand of mackerel and sardines and um, salmon and, and um, a couple of other things, um, and they are BPA-free and they're also all sustainably um, line caught, um, which is a lovely thing to um, to support. And then with um, tuna, just beware um, of how often you're having tuna because there's a health implication with mercury. And, um, you know, there have been a lot of tests done where if you eat tuna for five days in a row, your mercury levels go through the roof. So it's really something to just enjoy if you do enjoy it once every fortnight um, as a kind of safe number. Um, And in terms of salmon, because so much salmon is essentially farmed down in our neck of the woods of Australia, um, it's very hard to get wild salmon. So something I love to do, which is also super economical, is make fish cakes with tinned salmon and the BPA brand of wild salmon that I love to use is the um, uh, Wild Alaskan Paramount brand and you can just pick that up at the supermarket, super, super inexpensive and um, great for making fish cakes. You know, you could do a little tie spin on that. You could do all sorts of different flavours depending on the herbs and spices you put in. And then for fresh fish, um, just don't get anything, um, and this goes for prawns as well, from Asia. Unfortunately, through Vietnam um, and surrounds, uh, the farming practices for fish are really, really um, unhealthy and there's a lot of disease in the water and there's a very high amount of um, antibiotics used. So you really want to stay away from bassa 
or anything frozen, anything that's come from um, Asian countries uh, such as Vietnam um, when it comes to fish and try and eat local. So again, it's about eating a little bit less but a little bit better quality and then padding it out with great veg. So um, snapper and flathead are two of our best and most sustainable fish coming off the Western Australian coast in Australia that we can get. Um, and there's a couple more and again it's about talking to the fishmongers and just try and minimize the amount of big fish you're eating um, and try and go back to the much more sustainable fish which are the teeny tiny ones and as luck would have it um, they're also the best for us with abundant essential fatty acids so when I say teeny tiny I mean your sardines um, and your little mackerels and um, and fish like that and they're so gorgeous on the barbie with a big squeeze of um, lemon and maybe some fried up caramelized onion that's my favorite way to do um, those sorts of small oily fish because that freshness from the lemon and a few fresh herbs and onion kind of create a less intense overall experience which a lot of people kind of get freaked out about with um with those small fish so those are just a couple of little tips um, to try and minimize the amount of farmed fish you're eating and try and go for sustainable um, wild caught fish wherever you can lovely message i love those tips and and certainly um buying locally whenever possible supports australia as well so many well, benefits. yeah totally mm. yeah Lovely. Well, thanks so much for sharing um, your knowledge on the topic today, Alex. I wanted yes. to just chat to you about anything that you had coming up before we finish up today. Yeah. Um, okay, what have I got coming up? Well, right now I'm in the middle of my Thrive Raising Kids Who Love Real Food e-course, so, and we'll be running that again early 2016 because I know a lot of parents struggle with, you know, we just don't get any food education as parents as to how to raise little people to love real food. And I thought, that's it, I'll just have to write it. Got some incredible experts on there. Um, and then at the end of October, again, I'm running my um, course that you mentioned before. So the next round for the Low Tox Life is end of October and we'll pop the link um, under the video if anyone wants to check it out. It's um, We've had over a 1,000 people through that course now and the life-changing things that happen to people who go through it. Just, you know, we, we, we're just using too many chemicals on our skin and in our environments and it's so easy to just learn the vocab, spend that month, get it sorted, support the right brands who are doing the right thing by us and by the planet and, um, and everyone's better for it. So I look forward to welcoming hopefully a few of your guys again soon um, to the next round. Yeah, it's a fantastic course and and certainly all the education you need to get rid of the toxins and and learn what um, changes you need to make next yeah i'm a bit of a nerd <laughs> but again in a really gentle way in a step-by-step yeah, yeah. process oh, which is really important. i always say it's not about feeling guilty about what you didn't know um i used to smoke a pack a day and eat pop tarts everyone's <laughs> got a history and it's really just about getting excited about what you're going to change to make yourself feel more awesome and and just do good things for the planet. I just think if we can do that and just have it be part of our day-to-day, then it becomes cool and normal, you know. Yeah, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Now you know. I could tell you a whole bunch. Actually, I've got a hilarious post that tells you all about all the things I used to do. I might, I might share that with you guys. Let's see how embarrassed I feel about it today. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to read that. That would be excellent, all the truths. <laughs> Lovely. All right, Alex, thanks so much for your time. Just direct the listeners to your website before we wrap up today. Okay, so you can find me at www.alex with two X's, S T U A R T.com. So that's www.alexstuart.com. 
Beautiful. Thanks so much for your time today, Alex. It was great to chat again. Thank you. Bye, Steph. See you soon. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.